Great to have your company on the Monday edition of the Radio Tab Breakfast Show, which means being a Monday, we finish out the show with the Courier Mail's Chief Sports Writer in Robert Crash. Craddock, Crasher, good morning. Good morning, Paul and Jared. You brought back some lovely memories by mentioning Toowoomba's Wheatwood Handicap. Uh, I actually started uh, as a journalist in Toowoomba and used to cover that event. It was bigger than Texas and... Uh, Always uh, used to love the local race caller, Bob Marnie, and uh, it was always known in Toowoomba, and Bob used to say it himself, you could contact him any hour of the day except between 5pm and 5.30 when he was watching the Flintstones. <laughs> he was just a character. I loved him. <laughs> and um, well, you've, you've certainly gone places since then. Oh, there was just it was the, the the town lit up for the Wheatwood, and uh, it was such a you know great place to work, great place to live. I, I loved it, and of course came down to Brizzy. But uh, we're uh, to greet a sports scene that's been full of life ever since, Jared. <laughs> now you've travelled all over the world in in uh, with your job, particularly with cricket. What's your favourite place outside of Australia? Your favourite city to go to? Yeah, well, put it this way, I always felt the favourite touring place was, and this is a really odd one, and if I gave you a thousand guesses in cricket, you'd never get it, Bermuda. Alan Border always said it was his favourite. It's like Noosa. We went there in 1995 after West Indies tour, and it was the most soothing place of all time. People walking around their Bermuda shorts and everything. But India had never-ending fascination with me. Every time, it was so gruelling a tour of India that when we were on the runway leaving India... I always said, well, that's it. I'll never do another one, but thank you, India. And then four years later, they said, who wants to go to India? And I said, I'll go. So I ended up doing three or four of them and really just in permanently fascinated by the place. Do you Was know what you? changed it? Sorry, Jared. Do you know what changed the, the, uh, the our impression of India as far as cricket was concerned? Remember when players would get selected for the tour crash and they go, oh, no, I don't want to go to India, you know. I don't like the food, it's hot, yep. uh, you can't see anything there. And Steve Waugh changed all that. You know, he got out there and embraced Indian culture. And then we had players eating Indian food, you know, before they they left Australia to get there to ready themselves for the tour. They changed their attitude towards India, and that's what I think when the results started to change. He, he did. They had what was called the No Whinge, No Wine Tour. I think it might have been actually of Pakistan, but, and it was a pun on the term wine because, you know, there was an alcohol ban. But what it was saying is, do not whinge. We do not want to hear criticism drop from your lips. Get out of your hotel. Have a look at the sights. You know, we went with Steve Ward to meet Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and he said it was one of the greatest mornings of his whole life. So you're right, Paul, and it did change. And it had to change. I remember once we had the binoculars on Shane Warne in the players' enclosure during 1998 tour, and there was all this laughter and head shaking. And I said to the media men, what are they debating? And they said, oh, Warney said to them, if you were offered a million dollars, could you spend a season in India? And uh, about 70% of them said, no, I couldn't do it, not even for a million dollars, you know. And then how prophetic was that? Of course, a decade later, everyone was taking a million dollars to go to India. To but Warney, in his early years, he would get a... a, a, a he would go to an Indian restaurant for a team dinner and somehow arrange for a pizza to get smuggled into it. You know, he, he, and, and I remember he used to eat naan bread with Vegemite on it 
on those mobile toasters where the ball, where, where the toast would float through the, the naan bread and be grilled like that. It was quite a sight. Crash, um, I, I know we're getting away from your underrated and overrated, but you're always a fascinating listen. Was it you telling me that on one of your tours to the Caribbean that you were at a hotel and there was a function at another hotel not far away on the other side of the parkway, but because it wasn't safe, you had to get a bus, like a two-minute bus trip? Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. And, and that was uh, that, that was actually in, in the Caribbean, in Jamaica, where, uh, you know, they said, you know, do not leave your hotel. And I, and I, I actually broke the law once. I went for a jog and I saw these two kids behind me on the side of the road and I just noticed one of them moved. And so I turned around and saw him and as I as I looked up at him, I know, there was a block of cement flying my way. He just sort of threw it nonchalantly at my head, and I ducked, and I thought, that's why you don't leave your hotel in Jamaica. So there, there was those threatening times, but also the Caribbean was still such a wonderful to, to, uh, place to tour. And Michael Holding lived in Jamaica, uh, the fast bowler, and he always said, you have any problems with Jamaica, you mention my name, or you call my number. <laughs> right. Mikey Mikey sorted out everything in Jamaica. Might well, have been a bit late if that kid was a bit more accurate with the, with the concrete. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and he just threw it nonchalantly. He used to say, oh, there's a jog. I'll just throw a little concrete ball at his head. And I looked around, and it was travelling so slowly, I just moved out of the way of it. But I thought, you know what I mean? You, you think back and you, you shudder where you might have ended up. Will there be a Crash Craddock book? Journey I've always reckoned there's a great book in every journalist and that's where it should stay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, there'll be nothing from me. I, I, uh, it's been a, you know... I'll tell you one book I wouldn't mind writing is just the 100 biggest characters in sport or, or something like that, the top 50 that you've met, like a, a, a decent yeah. two, two or three pages on Alan Border. All the, not all the big stories, but all the little stories. The ones you that know, people about don't know. Exactly, like, you know, Alan Border at home. Like, I can still recite his home phone number and I didn't realise how the life that Alan was put through until I went to his place uh, for a photo shoot and heard that his home phone, this is in the 1990s, ring, oh, it'd be seven times in 25 minutes because, and then, no wonder he he always used to answer the phone, hello, like that, and I thought, why is he stressed? I tell you why he's stressed, because his phone rings every two minutes, you know. (laughs) Now he just puts his mobile on vibrate and no one cares. Yeah, that, but, but it is a point, Paul. Like they, he had no protection, Alan Border. This is why I just, uh, I so admire him. There was no media manager for the first part of his career. You wanted Alan Border for a press conference, you corralled him. There was no, no intermediary. And that was good and it was bad. But gosh, he was, uh, he, you know, what he had to put up to compared to today was incredible. Now, we must get to your underrated and overrated because we want to talk to you about the Brisbane Broncos. So let's start the underrated. OK, I've got a few, so I'll do them quickly. When the North Devils were playing in the preliminary final against the Sunshine Coast on the weekend, the first player to get there in the car park was Tyson Gamble. Now, he's going down a level from the Broncos but what a competitor. I know he's not the best player around, but I love his dedication. Secondly, who would thought it would be possible for a man to coach premierships in two different countries within 24 hours? Well, guess what? It might happen this weekend. In, of sorts, in a way. Rowan Smith, who coached the first five games of North Devils this year before being recruited to Leeds. He was recruited to Leeds when they were one 
uh, point away from the relegation zone off the bottom of the ladder. They've won nine out of their last ten. He's taken to the Super League final against St Helens this weekend. And the team he left behind, the North Devils, are also in the local final um, at, uh, at against Redcliffe, in, in Redcliffe. Great so story. what... It, that is a fabulous story. This is Brian Smith's son. And we all know Brian Smith, a long-serving Sydney coach who uh, didn't win a premiership but, but had enormous success over the years and was a, was a terrific coach. And, and he's so dedicated. I think Rowan Smith will coach in the NRL and I think it'll happen sooner rather than later. And the last one, and this is a bit off tangent, I went to a men of league lunch on, on Friday, sat next to John Rebo, who formerly boss of the Broncos and, and a head man of Super League. But I, I love the fact he's one of their big supporters, the men of league. I quietly watched as he, as he bought $200 worth of raffle tickets. And then when there was a, a painting auction from a, paint, from a painting done on stage by a speed painter called Brad Blaze, bidding was a little bit slow. Reeves thought, I've had enough of this. So he paid a couple of thousand dollars for the, for the painting. And I just thought... I said to him, gee, you're good. And he said, well, mate, rugby league's given me everything. He said, my dad was a pensioner. And I came through, he said, the game... I... So I love hearing that sentiment, underrated, Jay Rebo, just what he's given to rugby league, what he's given back to it. Overrated? Overrated is, I think, the feeling of world golf tours, the PGA and the European tour, the world tour, is that Greg Norman's live golf is not a substantial threat to them. Well, I just sing it week by week. Even listening to you guys talk about Cameron Smith leading the latest tournament in America this morning, the, the landscape is changing. Smith is changing it because, you know, the current British Open champion has given them the gravitas they wanted. Someone, um, someone uh, 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 you know, right up high in the rankings and young in a pool of older talent. Also, Crash, uh, Greg Norman has said that he's given up trying to negotiate now with the PGA. The only thing I think he really wants now is for the players to get those world ranking points. So they still can be eligible to play in the majors if they haven't already won one and get there because of those... Uh, like Cameron Smith, 10 years at the British Open and five at all the other majors because of that win at the Open... He wants to get yeah. the players to, that haven't won a major still to be eligible to win one. That's exactly right, Paul. Because, see, see, from Cameron Smith's perspective, after winning the British Open, he's eligible to play the next, what, uh, British Open till he's 60 yep. and the other majors for five years. So Cam is basically saying, hey, guess what? In five years' time, this will all be settled. And the majors are the only tournaments I care about. I couldn't care about the John Deere Classic. So he is sorted. But your point is a very good one. And I believe it was the single biggest reason why Adam Scott did not join the Live Golf Tour. And he made that, privately I understand he made that point all the way along, that they've got to get world ranking points. Because these guys will slip out of contention. Sure, it, it, it's not the biggest setback for a guy like Phil Mickelson, whose who's best work is done. Sergio Garcia, you know, he's fading. A lot of them are fading out of it. But if you're going to get big stars on the live tournament, in the prime of their careers, the only tournaments they care about are the majors. They have to get world ranking points. So, yeah, it, it, that, that, 
That will be an absolute game changer if that happens. And just on the Live Golf Tour, Cameron Smith has just won this event by four shots, finishing at 13 under par. Yeah, and and, and he, how relaxed did he look? He was in, he was in uh, press conferences laughing at questions. You know, he got someone asked him this obscure question. They said, "Hey, um, how how many uh, much beer could you fit in the British Open trophy?" And by the way, do you wonder how many of Rory McIlroy's tears would fit would would fit in it as well? And it was a silly, silly question from a local journalist, but he just sort of laughed it off. And you can tell he's enjoying life. You know, it's uh, uh, the lighter schedule, the, the the no cuts, the just sort of the big decision, weight off his shoulders. He's cruising. Now we made mention of it uh, just as you joined us, and we spoke to, to Brent Reed about this. The the perceived fallout at the Brisbane Broncos between Ben Eichen and Kevin Walters is it real? Oh, absolutely. And I think it had been well known for about well sort of known in patches for about the last year, to, to be honest. And uh, credit to Brent Reed for writing the story and writing it so well. And I listened to him earlier on your show. Look, it's a fascinating dynamic because they were premiership halves together at the Broncos in the year 2000. But rugby league tends to pull people apart at times too. Ben Iken was on the North Queensland board uh, when they chose their coach about a decade ago and they went for Paul Green, not Kevin Walters, who interviewed for the job. And I, I also believe that when Ben Eichen was appointed uh, as the Broncos director of football last year, I'm not sure that Kev was aware that he was he was going to be approached that day. It all happened at a carbine club lunch in Brisbane. But uh, so, look, it's fascinating. I... I I, I believe in the old school system where your football manager should be an underling to the coach, but you have to work together. And as James Graham said yesterday, the coach has to be prepared for a bit of hard feedback occasionally. You need that in your system. And that was the criticism of the current system where Terry Madison, John Cartwright, Steve Walters were all together in that they were all too, too like-minded and there wasn't that sort of Oh, harder voice amongst them. And so, you know, I hope they can work it out. They're very popular fellows, very well respected, very likeable, both of them. But it is an issue. It is one. Brent Reed's story was 100% on the, on the money. Uh, ben Iken, for whatever reason, has been marginalised and they have to sort it out. Well, I suppose the big question is, and, and this will be the, the answer to the question is, is it sustainable the way the system's set up at the moment? No, it, it, it's not, not not the way it's, it's... Well, it's a complete waste of Ben Eichen's talent if his input isn't being recognised. And he has to be... Uh, you know, they have to... The, the airing of this grievance has put a lot of pressure on both of them. I mean, everyone's talking about it now. And so when they see each other, there's that sort of feeling of... Oh, if they get together, for instance, in the Broncos coffee shop, they're sitting there off each other. Well, you can imagine all the eyes on them. Oh, they're back together, are they? Like, they went to the footy, uh, saw each other uh, at the local league preliminary final on Saturday, so just as the story was breaking. So, um, but Ben Iken is one of the sharpest minds in footy. He has a lot to offer. 
you know, he, he's got a terrific skill set. To me, he'd be a great negotiator of contracts, of meeting someone and trying to get them to your club. That needs to that needs to work for the Broncos. Otherwise, it's a waste of time of him being there. It really is. What do you make of Terry Madison and Steve Walters parting ways with the Broncos crash? Well, once again, it was... Well, one thing you can say is that these decisions were obviously made above Kevin Walters and without him particularly agreeing with them. So that says that that, the people above him have have stepped in because Steve loved having... uh, Sorry, Kevin loved having Steve there. He's his older brother. He absolutely categorically trusts him. He's a ripper guy. And the same with Terry Madison. They're very similar personalities. Quiet, sincere, capable, sturdy guys. But I think the board have said that there's that it needs someone standards flagged paul at the broncos at training in the last half of the season as ben Iken said we handled failure well the year before because we adjusted but what we didn't handle well was success when we started winning bad habits creeped in and it, it just gets back to my old mate paul malone said to me um before he passed away, outstanding rugby league writer and observer of all clubs, said, he said, mate, who's the who's the head kicker of the Broncos? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, not so much the head kicker, but the guy who tells players things they don't want to hear. Every organisation needs someone who, you know, is prepared to make that tough, tough call and be a bit, you know, a bit abrasive. We had David Noble, of course, with Chris Fagan. He was that to him, wasn't he, when he was there at the Lions, that military major. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think, do you think it was just um, too many good blokes there, for want of a better term? Oh, it, it, absolutely. And, and But that that can work. But generally, in the mix, you just need that, as James Graham said, that slightly harsher voice, yeah. Or an outsider. Outsiders. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, someone from completely outside the system who's not so much... You know, uh, uh, you know, a, a Broncos voice. They've come from a different culture. They might have come, you know, from a. They, they know no one particularly in your system. They're beholden to no one. But they're not far away, guys. The Broncos. They're really not. I mean, their best form this season was about as good as anyone's. They, those seven games they won in a row. That was top class stuff. They had a sniff of it. And even thirteen wins. At times we talk about them as if they won about six games. But you know, thirteen wins was great. Crash, we've only got about 10 minutes till the end of the show, so just quickly, the, the Broncos aren't too far away. What about the Brisbane Lions? Yeah, I just... Oh, look, I know they've got Marcus Ashcroft's son coming next year, but the, they've had four really good years in a row, and it just worries me that the window might be closing a little bit. Um, for those four years, they haven't got a grand final, have they? Never mind a premiership, so... Uh, they ran out of puff uh, on the weekend against Geelong. There's no disgrace in that. But it, it's just, can they get better than that next season, which they're going to have to? You know, it's a, it's a big challenge for them. As we've said so many times, I love what Chris Fagan and Greg Swan have done for Brisbane Lions. They've got them high in the saddle. I understand there's already plenty of sponsorship movement for next year. They'll have good memberships and it's all there. But the gold stud is the premiership and it's looking a fair way off at the moment, isn't it? They just seem to be going in very small increments, don't they? Oh, they do, they do. Well, it's just that um, to 
you know, it doesn't stay open forever. And that generation of guys like Daniel Rich, Lockie Neal was wonderful this year, one point off the Brownlow medal again. Um, but the whole, you know, it, 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 it's, it doesn't stay, stay open forever. And I think that there's, there's just that feeling that we might have seen the best of this generation, Paul. It's a hard thing to say, and there's better judges than me, but uh, whatever you achieve in the AFL, you have to achieve it at the MCG. Sure, they won there last week, but gee, it's a big hurdle. If you don't finish top two and get these home finals, uh, you know, you, you've got a, a mountain climb ahead of you every year. Good on you, Crash. Always a pleasure. We'll chat next week. See you then.